Hi there. Dawn and Rob's Bod Pod. Fitness, health and well-being from Petersfield Community Radio. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's Bod Pod. Uh, this is Dawn and this week I am here with Charney, who is a local yoga teacher who actually is celebrating five years teaching in Petersfield next week. So it's our, her anniversary. So welcome to the Bod Pod. Thank you, Don. Thanks for having me. Um, and so really, I'm going to start off with why did you want to become a yoga teacher? When I was little, I started to do yoga early in my life. So as you can hear from my accent, I grew up in India and it was part of my life in more you know subtle ways. And then as I moved, uh, yoga kind of was a thread that went through my teenage, through my 20s, moved to America. It kind of stayed with me the whole time. And I was studying uh, in a master's degree and I was teaching as my, in my PhD program. So I had the teaching background in my mind. And, you know, it kind of was in my mind, at the back of my mind, that, yeah, someday I'm going to be a yoga teacher. But you carry on. You do the right thing. You know, you get a good degree. You get a good job. And I was lucky enough to find a really good job in a consulting company in New York City. And so yoga was there, but it kind of went in the background. And... You know, there was a little kind of flame always there. Okay, I want to do this, but life kept going. And it kind of, you know, kept me going. And then there were things that happened in my life that kind of brought yoga more to the surface. Each time I had to deal with something and yoga was my anchor. And it kind of made me think, yeah, I mean, I love doing this for myself. I've already been a teacher, been a consultant. This just seems like the right fit, but it didn't seem like the right time. And then life threw things at me and suddenly at the right time or, you know, at the wrong time taking the decision, I guess, you know, tough time taking the decision. And that's what brought me to becoming a yoga teacher, just life, I think, and the love of it. So I had it in my mind when I turned 50, I'm going to be a yoga teacher. So I'd given myself time. I said to myself, yeah, work hard, do the right thing, earn the right money. And then you, you know, you have your savings because as a yoga teacher, you really don't make so much money. So I thought, okay. I'll do it. But then, you know, much earlier, I started uh, my training and became a teacher. And I haven't looked back since. And like you said, coming to five years of teaching in Petersfield. So it's a big milestone. Uh, where did you do your yoga training and how how did you become a yoga teacher? Yeah, so yoga teacher training, which is great now that we have a lot of formality in the training. So you different types of organizations are... Uh, certifying bodies if you call them for yoga teachers so you have um, in England you have different bodies yoga alliance is one sort of uh, big umbrella that um, is in England and then there's one in America and basically you can do most basic is 200 hour teacher training so you have 200 contact hours what you learn as a teacher and it it goes through a lot of things it goes through you know anatomy physiology, philosophy of yoga, it goes through sort of the um, gamut, the baseline of things. So that's your minimum training you need to be a certified yoga teacher. And, you know, that basically you can start teaching. So I have that. And then what I did was uh, an additional biology or anatomy training, another 100 hours. And I kept feeling like I need to do more. And I love studying. That's I'm quite a geek. So I just kept looking for the next thing to do. And I did another 300 hours, which gives you a 500 hour certification, which uh, I did in India. So the 200 hour in London, 300 hour in India. And basically, as a teacher, so if you are looking for a teacher, you want to at least have a 200 hour certified teacher. And then, you know, 500 hours, great. 
because then you know you've had a little more background and a little more teaching. So that's sort of uh, the baseline of teaching credentials as you would look for a yoga teacher. Mm. Um, and you would see, you know, if they are certified by which body, you know, and maybe if you're looking for someone, it's nice to Google about them and see, you know, what they might have actually studied and, you know, just to ask the right questions, I think. So, yeah, it's nice that the world of yoga is organized enough, but and it's getting more and more organized over time. And I think, I suppose, where you say in, like, the home of yoga is, is India. So with you doing some training there, I I personally would find that actually more satisfying, having a teacher like that, because I feel like you've actually come from the true background of yoga. Yeah, it's funny you say that, because um, I just, you know, before I came to your, uh, to talk to you, I just taught a private class. And uh, as I was leaving, I told her that I'm going to be doing this interview. And she said, you know, I'll tell you, you might think it's funny, but the one thing, and it's a couple who do the class with me, and they said, the one thing we really love about you teaching us is how you say the words of the postures, how, mm. you know, you pronounce them. And I, I did smile and I say, uh, it really? She said, yeah, it just sounds lovely. And I said, well, that's easy for me in a way, because that actually is hard, right? If you're not speaking that language it's one of the hardest things and for me that came the easiest so like you're saying having the Indian sort of upbringing and background it was sort of in my um, upbringing everyday life yeah I did not think about it let me tell you to be real did not think about it till I moved away from home to America and then I was like oh I know this my grandpa told me about this my mother and father were talking about this stuff all the time we sat down um, to do some, you know, cultural things. When we sat on the floor, we sat in lotus. You know, we played as children and we talked about these postures. So if someone said Padmasana to me, I knew it's lotus posture. So yes, it helps to have that. And yes, it's lovely to have the opportunity to have actually gone back after I've lived away from India 20 years now. And having gone back a few years ago to do my training was coming full circle in a way to me. And I spent a whole intense one month completely immersed in that beautiful place in Rishikesh and just you know kind of reminded me I went back to what I had learned and uh, picked up a lot of new stuff as well. Mm, That's beautiful. There's lots of different types of yoga that we hear these names Um, so what type um, or yeah what style of yoga is it that you teach? So that's a good question so when I would say if somebody asked me is you know I teach I'd say mindful yoga Mm -hmm. and what that means is I teach yoga of different intensities, if you can say, but the baseline, the thread is always mindful movement. And the thread, again, with that is the breath work, you know, and how you feel in it. Mm -hmm. So you move, breathe and feel good. So that's the underlying, even if I teach, so I teach Hatha yoga. And in how I teach Hatha yoga, you come to a class and you get to practice traditional postures with you know the element of science built into it so you know why we do them in a certain way or not how it fits with the bodies and our lifestyles today but at the same time you're you know talking about building in those three elements within that so you are doing hatha yoga you have five six up to eight breaths you're going to take in each posture but each time i'm thinking i'm having you move in a posture which we call asan 
how is the breath optimizing your posture and then how are you feeling in that posture so that mindfulness of being present in that movement is always something i keep as a base even when i'm teaching so i teach another class which is mindful flow now in a flow class you you're constantly moving and you're doing something we call transition so it can be a strong class it can be a intermediate it can be a beginner but even if you're doing a very strong class you never move faster than the flow of your breath i tell people you know you're moving with your breath so it's the rhythm of your breath and the rhythm of movement so that mindfulness is the big element in it and then the feeling and then the breath and then the movement so these three you know these elements always are my basis and then how do you feel right like balance create that balance get into your happy place and you know that sort of those are the elements that i think when someone walks out of a class after doing maybe an intense class or maybe a gentle yoga class which i also teach by the way you know i want them to step out with the feeling of aha i feel good you know that's most important i think and an hour actually of yoga with a flow yoga can it can be quite intense you can feel quite out of breath at the end i think a lot of people think yoga can be quite easy but yeah. actually if you're moving constantly with your breath for an hour and you're you know going down into a pose and then you're coming back out of it for in and out and then you're moving on to another one it can it can be quite quite tiring <laughs> yeah you're right so exactly what i mean so the flow style of yoga is you know physical now if you're doing a stronger flow i would say there is also slow flow style of yoga so you really move in a much more slower more step by step fashion but vinyasa flow as usually what is taught is is movement constantly with the breath and sometimes i have to say so i've had people who've come to the class and they're quite physically you know maybe strong in another sport and they want to come and they're used to strong style so they gravitate towards this mindful flow the strong class and they say i'd like to come for that class and i say okay why don't you come let's try it out and you know we talk and a lot of times the feedback comes that um i really like it it's just it's you know it feels great i feel like i've worked my whole body and then a lot of times it's like but i'm not quite sure about my breath you know you were saying inhale and i was exhaling and i say yeah it's okay there's no yoga police so if you breathe in you breathe out you breathe out you breathe in so reality of the thing is that if you're new to it and if you're enjoying this flow and if you're feeling something's coming in the way and you're not quite getting into the rhythm there's nothing wrong with that you're going to get into it slowly over time so i tell them okay tackle the physical part of the posture you know go with the flow of the posture get to know the movements and once you kind of get to know the movements they become almost you know this something that your body knows it's going to do and then once you're going to know and then slowly before you know you're already breathing in the right pattern and there's no right and wrong also of breathing there's many different styles and ways that sometimes you raise your arms up and you say inhale sometimes teachers say exhale and you know you get confused looks and i do i do try really hard in my class to give the science behind it so if i say like this week we've been working on opening the upper you know the thoracic or what you call the chest area and the upper back area and i've been explaining when you lift your arms up and if you don't have overhead arm movement and then you're thinking of doing a back bend you're going to feel limited so when we this week so when we've lifted our arms up we've gone up on an exhale so when you're on an exhale your body's a bit more receptive it's a bit more relaxed and when you raise your arms you're in a much more sort of you know likely position to lift with more comfort and so that will help your back bend so 
you know, there's many different ways of doing it. There is not necessarily, you know, cut and dry. I have to say, so my method is also not like, do it just this way and there's no other way. I think you've got to be fluid mm. and got to learn from your students as well. So when I'm standing in front of a class and I know something's working really well, great. As soon as I pick up the cues that something's not working quite well, maybe they're not getting into the breath or something, then we change it up and, you know, go according to that. So you mentioned uh, Hatha Yoga, which is what you do, and Vinyasa. So Mindful Flow, Hatha Yoga, what Gentle other Yoga. Ones are there that oh, there's so many. Ashta- is Ashtanga yes. is another one that, yeah. that pings around a lot. Ashtanga. So Ashtanga Yoga is, you know, it's been around for a while. And it started in Mysore, India. Uh, and they still have the school going, uh, Patabi Joyce, who was the um, new started the movement uh, has trained a lot of people and then his grandson I think um, and his you know other people in the family they're still training people it's quite an it's a strong style it's also a regimented style as in you have a structure of series of postures you do the primary series the secondary series and it's taught in a very particular fashion there is a way of breath work ujjayi breath or you know the sound what you hear from the throat so there's a lot of elements in it it's quite prescriptive uh, which works really well for many people. But I think what happened, this is years ago, so, you know, 40 plus years, even more, I think, when it kind of started and then it got really more and more um, sort of into the mainstream of yoga and people started to love that strong style. But then what came out of it was the vinyasa flow. Mm-hmm. The people who were the ashtangis, as they call them, were like, well, we like ashtanga, but we kind of want to do a creative bit with ashtanga. And, you know, I want to teach certain poses, but I know my clients perhaps could use something different. So that vinyasa, I think, came from that that lineage or flow style, which is ashtanga, but with this lots of options to make variations. So vinyasa doesn't tell you to do a series of posture postures, but it kind of gives you a prescri- prescription of the flow and you link the postures with movement or what we call the vinyasa. So, but the beauty of yoga is it's been around for 5,000 plus years and it's, you know, the sum of the elements have just stayed beautifully as the base and a lot of the things have been creatively moved and changed and upgraded, if you call it, to suit us today in our lives today, right? So... There's another style which we didn't mention called yin yoga mm-hmm. or restorative yoga. And if you think about it, it's the perfect antidote for the way we live today. And it is basically using yin uh, or restorative. They're very similar, but they have some differences. Is about slowing down. It doesn't mean it's easy, right? But it's about using a lot of seated postures, lying down postures, and using props to support you. And you hold the postures for a lot longer. So you're really kind of going at a deeper level of lengthening what they call at the fascial level or at the tissue level and so you you come out feeling completely absolutely amazing out of a yin yoga class and for our lifestyles even with with the way we work you know mentally how we are go 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 always doing things and sometimes especially even for people who are very athletic or in the gym a lot or they're runners or on bikes and you know they can really use that slowing down the yin style yoga so i do teach yin style as well and there's these all these really wonderful things you can do with yoga which is where 
my interest lies and I've been really um, excited to get more and more into the new styles is you know, using other forms of movement, the science and other forms of movement and how we can pull that into yoga itself. Um, so I like to stay true to the tradition, but, you know, learn from the other elements. So I've done a training in what is called as FRC or functional range conditioning. And there's a bunch of yoga teachers I know who've done that training as well. And basically that training is, a, if you think about it, what it teaches is at a very basic, simple level to explain is, how to mobilize or create mobility so in the joints how we move through the joints increasing the range we have in every joint and the range is active so when you are doing a certain posture you're not just relying on the force of say gravity or on the force of pressing against something but you actually have an active range so that that frc so i've trained in that uh two years ago and it was a revelation you know, they do their own thing, but my goal studying that was how can I bring it into yoga? And in the last two years, I've been using it slowly a lot. I use at the start of the class when we do warm up, and even during the postures, I say, Here's your passive style, you can do this posture, and here's your active style. And there's, I see a lot of, you know, aha, aha. I can see it in the client's eyes. Like they say, Oh, I thought this was quite easy, and now suddenly you're making me do it actively, and now, oops. I'm needing to work hard again, you know. So that's another way of bringing in new elements. You can do stretch bands. I've used, um, you know, massage balls. And there's another style called Mandala Flow, which is, I do like pop-up classes. So a lot of times in the pop-up classes, I pick up these new different styles and bring in, bring that fun element, right? So if you're doing vinyasa or mindful flow, and you're like, oh, I want to try something different. And it's quite popular, actually. So I'm doing one soon in a couple of weeks uh, in a candlelight mandala flow and mandala flow is this dancey sort of very slow flow you go 360 around the mat and it's quite mesmerizing almost like a moving meditation and uh, it fills up really f quickly so i do only a few a year and it's quite popular because i think people someone on my monday class just said she said i just loved it i just felt like it was me alone in the room and i was just going with the music so yeah, that sounds lovely. Yeah. <laughs> sounds, I feel relaxed just listening to you <laughs> talk about it. Um, so is there anybody that has influenced you or is there sort of a, a yogi out there that has uh, been your inspiration? Um, yeah, I would say the most influential for me has been the smaller, less known teachers along the way in my in my hopping from country to country, right? So I call myself a world citizen and uh, having been, you know, trained in India and America and then in England, I think it's the, the ones who really don't, you don't hear about, have made quite strong impact on me. One of the first sort of formal ways I um, got introduced to Ashtanga, I'm thinking this is, gosh, it's almost 20 years ago in um, Arizona, I used to live in Arizona poor students, you know, didn't have much money. This this wonderful girl called Elise was teaching Ashtanga at the campus for free. And, you know, I started teaching and learning with her and I was new to Ashtanga. And then even today, sometimes I'm teaching and I can almost hear her words in my ears as I'm teaching my clients. And some of the things she said resonate so beautifully even today as I'm explaining something to my clients. So little things are picked up from teachers that I practiced with. 
uh, I had lovely teachers in New York and I went to many studios because I love to soak up, you know, different things I could learn from. I've done lots of like different workshops over the years. So I think sometimes in the most unexpected ways you learn. And that to me is the biggest influence. The one thing is, you know, my parents, and they still tell me, <laughs> uh, is you learn from, you can learn from everybody. Even a child can teach you something. So keep your mind open to learning. So, yeah, so those are the most, I think, influential in my life. Mm. It's wonderful. It is amazing that just that one little person could say, and yeah. I think to all of us as well. Yeah, absolutely. There probably yeah. is a few people we can think of now that probably something quite small that they said or had, had done for you that could make a yeah. big change. Yeah, sure. So has yoga changed your life and mm. you as a person? Yeah, so in my life, if I think about it, changed my life. Um, so, like I said, five years of pretty much full-time yoga teach, you know, training or teaching. Um, and then in those five years, lots has changed. You know, what I do for a living is so different. The biggest change that I can see every day is connected, connection to people in a really nice way, in a real way. I mean, community, so I've moved a lot in the last 20 years, I would say eight, nine times, and every place, I was usually there for three years, New York City, I was for seven years, but you, you know, your community comes through a lot through your work, right, because that's where we spend most of our time, and um, when I was at university, it was different, but at work, the sense of community was there, but never, ever the way I feel it now. It's just amazing. I mean, I teach around, I say, 11 to 14 classes, including privates. And uh, in the five years, I've met maybe 150, 200 people. I know it sounds small, probably more people over the time. But the sense of connection with people and knowing and being accepted in a place where I was brand new, right? I didn't know anybody. I just started to teach. I had, you know just one or two people I knew and now I feel like I've been able to make friends out of people who've come to classes who are clients and um, my brother who also lives around here who's a very big support for me he jokes with me if we ever go for coffee or anywhere in town he's like you just stop every two minutes to talk to people and I've been here 25 years and I don't know anybody because he works in an office and his community is different so yeah that's that's been the most beautiful gift you know, yoga is given to me. Um, it's just um, something that makes me smile every day. I think it is a lovely town. And I think if you are out there, and I've been here six, seven years, and I'm the same where I, I don't teach yoga uh, or any classes, but I do tend to say hello to a lot of people. Yeah. And if I walk down the high street, there is normally a few people that I will see or say hello to if I'm in a certain coffin shop. I think yesterday I was in one... And I saw four people that yeah. I knew. Uh, and the nice? friend I was with was like, my goodness, you just know so many people. But it's because <laughs> I take the time to, you know, chat to everyone. Yeah. And, um, but I like it. I do love it that it's... Uh... Um, so in your opinion, um, if there are listeners, obviously, who are very new to yoga, what would you say they should look for in a yoga teacher and what makes a good yoga teacher obviously you mentioned the 200 hours of teaching but what should someone you know should they start at the hatha 
at the gentle stage and maybe look for someone mm. like that or yeah so I think it depends so I'll give you a couple examples um where your where your starting point is right so if you're say brand new to yoga and you are you know into say fitness of some kind and you say you're a runner do I do get a lot of people like that and you know they've been told yeah you need to do more stretching and they're coming from this very physical perspective of you know to get better at my running I need to do the stretching part and that's why I'm going to look for yoga so yeah I would say you know go online um, search through Google or if you know people ask them and best is you know personal recommendations but if you don't know go online make sure the pe person you're going to try they've got the basic qualifications of 200 hours or more check a little bit about you know on their website if they describe a little bit about the about section I think it's yoga is quite a personal thing right even if I'm teaching a group of 20 there is a one-to-one -one interaction you end up having with each client mm -hmm. and for the client the experience is the same right you are with the teacher and what language the teacher is using, how they are emoting, how they are expressing, the words they use, if they are being very, you know, open. So those things are quite important. So you just, you get a little feel maybe from, hopefully, from their Facebook page or their website and then, you know, read about the classes and decide in your head, okay, this seems, this is what I want to accomplish, say, physically. And, or... You know, I want to do the meditation and the breath work and then try a class. The best way is to try it, right? One thing I would say is try it. If you didn't quite feel right, do have a conversation with the person, right? So it's nice to, I would love it if somebody comes to my class and I always make it a point to talk to new people, ask them before and after, you know, what are you trying to, you know, sort of, what's your goal? What do you want to feel? How do you, you know, envision this helping you? And trying to understand the motivation behind it. As a teacher, I'm looking for that. And the same thing is, you know, give it a shot. If you didn't like it, sometimes something just doesn't work. And you'd say, okay, it's not the style, but it's the teacher. Whatever it is, do try it again, right? So it's something you've got to try two, three times to just decide if it works or it doesn't work. Stylistically, you know, talk to the person. I, I really encourage, so I've put my number, phone number out there, email out there. And I get a lot of calls, actually. And I'll end up sometimes talking to someone I don't even know for like 20 minutes on the phone and we just discuss, right, life. Like they're like, they start by asking about yoga and then we have a nice conversation and then I'm like, ah, I would suggest come to this class. Does it suit you this time? And they come and, you know, I try to understand behind why they're coming. So I think... I know because we are in a world of like everything is email, everything is, you know, just less in human interaction. But if you can get beyond that and just have a conversation with the person, uh, try it. The main thing is you want to step out of a class feeling good. I think that's really important. I know it's, you know, it's a physical thing you're doing, but you just want to step out feeling good in yourself, about yourself. And the other thing is just coming to my head is... When you think about yoga, a lot of times in the West, we think about yoga as a physical movement practice, which it is, but there's a lot of other things in yoga. So if and how does your teacher, are they able to weave in the other elements of yoga, which could be the pranayam, which is the breath work, which could be the meditation, which is dhyana, which could be other, many other elements, are they able to kind of weave that into the practice? So you're getting not just the physicality of yoga, but a little bit more 
right? So I think the match is only, you will find out only by trying, but these are the basic sort of elements to mm. look for. So you mentioned meditation there. Um, so is meditation quite a big thing for that's involved with yoga? Yes and no. So if you look at the way we look at, say, an hour or an hour and a half class, again, if it's called, say, vinyasa flow, for example, or if it's called um, mindful flow, as I call my classes, meditation, you know, if you read, you have to read to see, but meditation exclusively probably would, won't be a big element of that particular class. There will be a lot more emphasis on the movement part of it. But that's what you want to kind of read through and see if there is any element. So meditation, so there's ashta anga. It's not the same like ashtanga. Ashta, ashta means eight. Anga is limbs, eight limbs of yoga. So there's, um, you know, these eight elements you go, and I, I will, won't go through every single one, but I'll pick the three that we've talked about. So one is asan or posture. The other is pranayam or breath work. And then the other, the third element is dhyana. Or meditation so these three elements are part of that eight elements there's more to it as well but in my class I'll just give you my example with how I teach so I have an hour class there's a lot to do within the hour right so I'm not gonna bring in like a 10 minute meditation or a 15 minute meditation well you can so why the way I bring it is I call it centering so at the start of the class we center we pause we take a few breaths and then sometimes I call it moving meditation so when you are in the movement you know you can create this element of really zoning into that present moment just in the moment so you can weave it in to classes and at the end of the class you can also give a little bit more time so you can build it in it's not maybe an exclusive hour long meditation but there are teachers who will do, you know, and I know some really good ones who do exclusively just meditation. And if you ask me as a teacher and you say, is that yoga? I'd say yes, because it is a part of the Ashtanga, right? So you're like, I just sat on the chair and I did not actually move. I don't think that was yoga. And in the big picture, that's yoga, mm. right? So if you did just breath work, yeah, you went to a yoga session. So it doesn't have to be purely just postural work. Yeah. And so if someone's new to meditation, um, because obviously we hear a lot about mindfulness and and you've said about sort of being more mindful in your classes and things. So how would someone start with meditation? Because sometimes I think, well, I say I'm going to do it. I'm going to sit there every day and I'm going to do 10 minutes of mindfulness. And then I get up and I get on with my day and I completely forget. Um, is it best to sort of just start with maybe five minutes and use an app? Or, you know, how yeah. would you suggest someone starts with, you know, meditating and being more mindful yeah so so and again each of us is you know we all differently built and attention span but I'm just saying averagely the way we live our lives right we our attention spans are going shorter and shorter because we are always looking at phone we are kind of multitasking I don't know if you feel it but you know I've got pretty good scarily good at multitasking so I'm looking at you know I'm doing something say in the kitchen and I'm like mm. This feels like a waste of time. I need to do something. So I'll put on a podcast and I'll listen to it while I do it. Not bad. Fine. That works. But a lot of times I find myself do two or three things at a time. Exactly why we need meditation, right? Meditation is zoning in, stopping, slowing down, 
thinking about just in that moment how you are. So if you're struggling, and I struggle a lot with very focused meditation, and if it tells me to just sit in one place and not sort of move, it can be quite daunting, right? The way I'll tell you a couple of tricks, one is like you already said, build it into your life in a little place that you sneak it in and you tell yourself, okay, I'm gonna try this five minutes a day for one week. Okay, give yourself that little goal and insert it into the day when you know that you are going to have that five minutes yourself. If you know that you are going to either put it to the end of the day is quite tricky, right? Most of us pretty much will miss that mark, right? So even if it's in the middle of the afternoon, if it's five minutes at lunch break or if it's any time when you know you have that five minutes without disturbance, there are lovely apps available. One is a free app called Insight Timer and it's got apps, I don't know, thousands of uh, people who are who have posted their free meditations and I use it a lot. So for me, I use it a lot of times. They have a section called the sleep meditation and I'll put it on just, you know, around bedtime when I'm on the bed and I'll sit, sit cross-legged in the bed, on the bed and then just close my eyes and listen to usually five minutes, ten minutes. Sometimes I actually am feeling quite, you know, sort of um, still my mind's still racing. Then I put like a 20-minute one and actually lie down and I have listened to it slowly. And sometimes I've faded away before the meditation's over and that's okay, right? Mm. So that, I, I, I would say, use a app, pick up maybe, you know, test it out, test two, three different people, See if you like a person and their voice and something, you know, with, you can relate to and pick up five minute meditations. Do your homework for the week and say, I'm going to pick two for this week or maybe one for this week. And every day I'm going to hear it. Maybe put a reminder on your phone. Don't, you know, allow yourself the opportunity to fail. If you fell off the wagon and you didn't do one day, why not? You can come back to it the next day. You missed Tuesday. There's always Wednesday, right? So sometimes we think, oh, that's it. I'm not good at it and we really are so hard on ourselves so making anything a habit you just have to practice it slowly consistently and then it ends up you know becoming like brushing your teeth right hopefully (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so I know that you're uh, currently doing a yoga course uh, which incorporates self-care what would be your five tips to someone for for self-care and loving themselves a bit more (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, self-care is a, is a buzzword, right? So there is a lot of the self-care that's sort of thrown around and I've, I've sat over this for a long time and I finally decided I'm going to do a course uh, on it and I really wanted to clarify in my head, okay, why and what do you, you and me, I want to do as part of self-care? And there's a really basic element that runs for me through every self-care activity and it is about how does it make you feel? Does it make you feel better about yourself? That's an underlying thing. Now, someone might say, yeah, I have a glass of wine or two. I really feel good, right? Yes, okay, that's great. So I will say, challenge you to that a little bit and say an activity that makes you feel good in yourself, about yourself, when you wake up next morning and you say, hmm, I'm so glad I did that for myself, right? That's the other way to test it. So 
uh, any activity. It could be anything at all in probably an eight-hour or not eight-hour, eight-episode binge on Netflix might feel like the right thing. I'm taking care of myself. I've had a very rough week. I'm going to sit down and watch it. And then we go back to bed and get up and think, gosh, I don't like myself for having done that, right? So that kind of defeats the purpose. In the moment, it kind of felt good. Yeah, so activities or little little things that will make you feel good in yourself. That's basic to me, self-care. So pick those kinds of activities. Do bite-sized chunks. Self-care, so if you've picked something, like we just talked about, right, making anything a habit, little bite-sized. So in the course that I'm teaching right now, so every week we've been meeting now, and we this is six weeks, so every week within the course there's movement, but there's also little things we do. So for example, we've done a few different types of massage, self-massage with, with oils, different kinds of aromatic oils, and one was a foot massage, for example. And the foot massage is a nice way to, you know, nice oil, you use it. And maybe um, I told people who were in the course and I said to them, you know, this week, maybe you pick that one activity that you felt really good about uh, in this course and you pick it and then you go home, try it for the whole week, five minutes a day. And if you think that end of the day on the bed, have oil, rub it on your hands, give your feet a little bit of a massage, you know, just, just rub the soles of the feet, wear socks, it's nice and, you know, it's cold, so your feet get nice and warmed up, and then go to bed. So that's your self-care for the week, one little activity, bite-sized chunk. You don't have to do boil the ocean, you know, in, in that one week. You do it bit by bit. So that's another thing, you know, bite-sized chunks rather than big ones. And the thing is, the other one I already mentioned as well is be kind to yourself. Right? So if you fail at something that you really put your heart and soul and mind into it and you were so determined and you feel, oh, I've failed, it's okay. We all fail. And what we do after that is important, right? So the life is a series of failures and successes, little bits, right? So we always have to say, fine, if I failed, I'm going to make a decision and, you know, try and do it better next time and forgive yourself. So be kind to yourself. And try, be open and try different things as well, right? So self-care in Ayurveda, for example, which is what I'm using a lot in the self-care activities. So challenge yourself to something a bit, maybe a bit out of your comfort zone as well. So we've, we've talked, we, you know, we did, uh, I think it was with you, right? Like we were talking about the tea we talked about, um, drinking tea with, mm. with pepper, for example, you know, which helps uh, absorb turmeric in your body. And... You know, if you, you, obviously, if you're not comfortable for a physical reason, then yes, you don't try it. But if you can mildly, slowly add it, and you know it's good for you, yeah, you can add it and see how you do for a week. And then if you don't like it, you say, that's not for me. I'm going to try something else, right? So just be a little open-minded to try different types of things. And sometimes when we pick in bite-sized chunks, it's not an overwhelming thing. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, I am going to take up um, yoga three times a week. That's a good thing you're doing for yourself. You're going to feel great. Yes, I can tell you about that because I love doing it. I teach so many classes. It makes me feel good. But maybe three is a lot, right? So like meditation, five minutes a day. And yeah, I think that's in my head what I would say and I think the other th last thing is the self-acceptance is your best self-care which I think is a tricky one right so 
accepting ourselves for who we are is the best way to care for ourselves. So we, are, I go through it, lots of self-doubt, all sorts of ways, from the physical to the, you know, how I've talked to somebody or did I say something and did I say it right? Have I done this right? You know, we're always constantly questioning and um, kind of being hard on ourselves, right? Without knowing sometimes. So really taking a step back and thinking the best way I can take care, you know, self-care is self-acceptance rather than, you know, fighting yourself for who you are. Just slowly accepting ourselves for who we are. Yeah. That's a struggle I think that a lot of people... Um struggle with <laughs> yeah is, uh, that yeah is learning to love yourself a bit more yeah that's what you've said it beautifully right that's what it is loving mm. yourself and self-care is not about suddenly becoming a new version of yourself no it's about these little things we are going to do that's actually going to nurture us it's going to you know heal us nurture us and just make us feel good rather than say oh this is not good about me, it needs to change. That's not the way we are approaching it. We are saying, okay, I'm going to do this because when I do it, I really feel good in myself and every time I do it, I feel amazing. So why not? I'm going to try it for five minutes a day and I like it for a week, I'll do it. Next week I'm going to pick up something else but I'm going to do it because I just, I smile at the end of it, right? And also saying, I am unique. I am, you know wonderful the way I am and if I have things that I'm working on I'm going to take it in little bits and steps and I'll work on it without telling myself off basically right <laughs> <laughs> and if people want to come along to any of your classes yeah. then when will they uh, where will they find you yeah so I teach mainly in Petersfield and around uh, also in Oldsford but the best way to find me is um, chaniyoga.com which is c-h-a-n d-n-i-y-o-g-a dot com and yes you can google yoga and I pop up uh, I think pretty much on the top of the list and you'll see my logo and you can always you know give me a call check out the Facebook page so you'll see lots of new information on my Facebook page any events I'm doing uh, any new classes I'm doing the schedule is on the website and then you can always uh, follow us on Instagram as well so it's chani underscore yoga that's brilliant. Well, Charlie, this has been lovely. Thank you. It certainly gave me a few things to think about. And congratulations on your five year and have a happy celebration next year for five years. Thank you very much. And, uh, and I think there's a lot of happy yogis in Petersfield because of you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and everybody listening, please join me next time when I will be discussing um, more bits about the health and fitness in Petersfield. Dawn and Rob's Bod Pod. Find all our audio at petersfieldradio.uk or search for Petersfield Community Radio wherever you get your podcasts.